give it a second, let the stream catch up, make sure I'm not chopping off your intro, because I've done that several times. <laughs> Production can be hard. Oh man, tell me about it. It's my day-to-day, nine-to-five. Hmm. Uh, all right, so we are back for another Check Your Six episode, and this is postseason content. So here we go. We've got Liam, the CRSL product owner and Space Productions management member. Member. There you go. I lost that last word. But uh, Liam is here to join us, and we're going to talk about CRSL this last season, the summer, the future, and we're going to dive into Liam's story as well because he made this awesome, very grateful set of tweets after the season was over, and it just immediately hit me that there's a story here. People should hear it. We should hear from one of the main owners of Collegiate Rainbow Six, one of the three leagues that is representing college space and so getting to know the people behind these leagues is a huge step for me and a huge step for this space so welcome liam thank you uh yeah it's it's a pleasure to be here uh, it's been quite a quite a while in the works to to be where i am now um so definitely happy to dive into that story because it's it's a common question that people ask me is you know what does it take to to do what i do yeah, so let's start with talking this season. Now, this season, it was great. Like you were, you stood up like a new website. You had some major trial, like seven different trials. You were able to bring in last year's runners up and champions, as well as run a land-based trial as one of the last ones, and met some major sponsors along the way for that trial. So this was a particular year of growth. Why don't you walk yeah. us through the start of this season? <laughs> so season two was was really where the, the other owners and managements of Space Productions and I, uh, mainly Sam Morris, who is kind of my partner in crime for CRSL, um, we really wanted to make season two like a landmark. So Sam Morris and I have a history of working on Cle the Cle entire collegiate Sioux uh, scene for quite a while now. Um, heading into season two it was going to be wrapping up our second year of involvement and we really wanted to be able to try to take it to to heights that we've always wanted to take it to but haven't yet um going into season two i think our goal was to ramp up the competitiveness of crsl so season one uh two semesters ago was kind of an open it was kind of like an application process teams could apply to the league uh, and then we reviewed those applications and accepted teams into the, the league. And while that's great, it's an invite league. It is what it is. It's not necessarily always the most competitive, but we wanted to be able to provide season two as an experience for these super hyper competitive teams. Think Akron, FIU, Miami, all these teams that are consistently sitting at the top. Um, and we wanted to be able to like, just n hit the nail right on the head and be essentially what the best product that we could be. Uh, so the trial system, as you mentioned, we did seven trials and that was to determine essentially kind of give the teams a gauntlet to prove themselves. So we talked that we took the top two from each, uh, qualifier, I believe, or top four, maybe it's been top so four. trials are so long ago now that it's like, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's hard to talk on it. Cause I don't even remember how we did it, but, um, just like all those that time ago, the trials were essentially a gauntlet for teams to be able to prove themselves on why they should be in CRSL. Uh, we believe that that was the best format to do it if we wanted to keep it competitive because it it forced teams to play and it forced teams to prove why they're going to be here. Um, and talking on like Anaheim, one thing that we've always wanted to do is be able to to bring live uh, activations to the the collegiate siege scene because it's definitely still in its early stages and it's something that the collegiate scene has never really seen before. So the live activation was something that we kind of just pulled the trigger on we we exercised some connections that we had within space productions to the industry and we were able to secure some spots uh the teams who who made it out there they had a reserve section so we had three teams uh two nau teams and an asu team come out um dreamhack anaheim was a little bit difficult just because of the timing of everything uh when you look at the timing of dreamhack anaheim uh, most of the the California schools that are on different formats for their schooling are going through midterms or they're going through finals. And it was a little bit difficult because of 
DreamHack Anaheim itself was was like an event. It had a lot of stresses, very obviously. Um, yeah. And we tried to do our best with what we had, but we we had those three teams come out. They had a reserved little section that was like literally just collegiate siege players and like the LAN, which considering that 900 and like 50 of the 1,000 seats available for B, uh, for BYOC were for Fortnite, was pretty cool to see the the one corner of of you know like 15 20 people and in, in the one corner Jeez. that were just collegiate siege yeah it, dreamhack anaheim became largely a Fortnite event it was definitely something really interesting to see happen like live um but we we put on a kick-ass show and that's always been our mantra is put on a kick-ass show and provide yeah. an experience um, absolutely you got so we that. we helped run the specific byoc land stage um so we not only helped with our production but we were backstage helping with other productions as well that were ran throughout the event um and we also got the opportunity to continue to work with cooler master uh, we secured that sponsorship in season one and we continued it through season two cooler master is always great people great products obligate you know obligatory shill but um <laughs> you know they're they're great people and they they always support what we do so it's it's greatly appreciated um and because dreamhack is kind of like a staple event in the community we were able to secure nvidia for for that we were able to give away some graphics cards to the winners of the event actually so winners of the event got to go home with some new graphics cards from nvidia and second place got to go home with some cooler master peripherals so that was like a really cool uh, event and there's like a funny story that stems off of this and i know that he might actually be in the chat somewhere um Initially, we left two qualifier spots for Anaheim because we anticipated it to be larger, but due to the restrictions and everything that happened, we couldn't couldn't pull off quite the magnitude of event that we had hoped for. Um, two teams that showed up had already qualified in online qualifiers. So that left a free spot for the last team, which is NAU's D2 team. So NAU's D2 team got an automatic into CRSL through attending the Anaheim qualifier, and that left mm -hmm. us with one spot which we had initially planned to fill through qualifiers, but then it left us with like an invite spot. So we were like, okay, who do we invite? And I just remember, distinctly remember, there was, I wanna say seven or eight of us in this Airbnb from Space Productions, uh, <laughs> like just jamming around this, this like kitchen table. And we were like, well, who do we invite? Like what teams have participated in qualifiers consistently? And I think it game, came down to uh like who who we felt best would fit into the crsl environment because we we definitely have a a mission and like kind of a a front that we like to put up for the league on on what kind of community it is and we actually came down to elon university uh and i i'm pretty good friends with their captain uh he's become a great friend over this uh season and he's actually one of our tas now um Nice. I remember just Snapchatting their captain of their team, and I was like, "Hey, you want to play in CRSL?" And their their team members were a little bit confused on why they were getting an invite spot, and they were like, "Oh no, we don't <laughs> want it. Like, like uh, you know, we're not gonna do well. Like, we don't want it. It's it's kind of like just like a joke or whatever." And I was like, "Well, I can, I can assure you that it's definitely not a joke." And they were like, <laughs> "Okay, well, we're in." Um, and that's how we we ended off trials it was definitely like a really great experience anaheim in itself um i had actually like personally that was a wild experience for me um i attended the the siege invitationals in montreal which was the week before dreamhack anaheim oh so for me getting home from from montreal i flew out of a different city in arizona actually so my airport was an hour away or an hour drive away from my home so I got back to the US from Montreal. I drove the hour home. I got home at like 11 p.m. or something ridiculous. And I threw all of my clothes into the laundry and then into the dryer and I went to sleep. I woke up, put them in a suitcase again, and then picked up the other guy going to Anaheim with me and drove the eight hours or whatever oh, it is no. to Anaheim the next day. Um, <laughs> oh, so, no. Yeah, Anaheim was definitely an interesting experience. A little bit tired, a little bit stressed, but. It was it was a great experience overall and like being able to provide that first landmark experience for those teams like there's definitely like an experience there that i'm sure that i'm not going to forget uh the space productions guys aren't gonna gonna forget and especially those teams because like i i loved interacting with those guys especially because i'm i'm an arizona boy myself and 
getting to interact with three of the Arizona teams and like getting to meet them in person after interacting with them for so long. It was, it was a great fun. So yeah, CCJ is there in chat talking about the, the invite. (laughs) Well, welcome CJ. Thanks for joining us and thank you for joining in on the league. I know it was an unexpected invite, but I mean, Elon still got to have some great experience with this. And so like being able to be part of a formalized league that has so much competitive integrity at its heart in its formation, like that's just experience that your team will never forget. So that's, that's just a really cool side story along the way. So thinking more about like beyond the trials, as you were getting, you got your teams, you were going through this, like this, like you have this sweet page on a sweet website and like syntax and i kept talking about it throughout the season it's just like okay we want the stats and we dove into the trial stats and (laughs) we really wanted the group stats and it's like it wasn't quite there yet but knowing that it was moving in that direction that there were those plans and that way we even got to see what was it the final four stats which was part of the topic from last week of being like this this is the data that we want to see uh overall for all of these matches because like for syntax and i with like between the three different leagues and over a hundred teams over across multiple leagues it's really hard to start getting a good picture of where teams are competitively unless they are at that top tier unless you're akron unless you're fiu like those are the teams that are consistent across leagues and that's the only story that you can really get, but getting the, those additional stats, map picks, operator bands, all of that stuff, like that got us really excited about thinking about what's to come and how that's going to help create more of that narrative for the league. What's the, what was that like for you all knowing that you wanted to get there, but you couldn't quite get there this season? Yeah, so the, the website came to birth really in season one, and we, we wanted to really ramp it up in season two, um, because for us, I know that CR6 uses Battlefy, but for us, we use Homebrew uh, platform, essentially. So we use Discord just because it's easier to connect team to team for Discord, and with our normal season being round robin, and that that's a, a big talking point for me, is we really set going into the normal season we took the teams out of trials and we split them into four groups of eight teams each and we actually tried to create the most geographical groups we could um and that's that's huge so that's how we got a group of death in texas like that south division like it was just like this group is the only side i don't want to be a part of if i'm playing yeah (laughs) um we we wanted to do that not only because we knew that it would it would essentially regionalize a lot of those normal school rivalries that you see and that's mm-hmm. something that's really exciting about collegiate is seeing how that those school transfers or those school rivalries can transfer over into the esports scene um so that gave birth to a lot of rivalries but it also got rid of a lot of the scheduling problems that you see in these other leagues um yeah. back when i used to be running like when i was running cr6 uh season two we had 146 teams participating and that was like a scheduling nightmare um, oh yeah so we were with 32 teams and regionalized groups it was super straightforward um every match had a channel where teams could communicate and we made sure that these teams are constantly confirming times with our, our admins uh, because that's something that we also did this season is we recorded every single map that was played uh through from the start of groups to the end of playoffs was every map was either recorded or live broadcast so uh we needed to make sure that we knew when everything was happening so we could schedule observers etc and that presented its own slew of challenges but that really helped us that we knew it was round robin and it gave a lot of flexibility especially when covid came around because teams knew exactly who they were going to play ever since the start of the the season done we gave them like an ideal schedule we're like hey like if you want to follow this go for it do you want to play multiple games let us know that's what it is and it gave a lot of flexibility and a lot of solutions to these teams that i think we we haven't seen before so it was from like a tournament organizer standpoint that round robin was was a blessing um it really allowed us to focus on on the recording and the production of everything because that was something that we couldn't normally get uh in like a swiss format or a bracket format mm-hmm. um talking on the normal season again like with the production of everything 
Uh, most of our production, again, through Space Productions, uh, they we work heavily like on the Utah uh, campus and uh, based out of Salt Lake City, Utah. So that was a little bit rough with the, the campus shutdown because of COVID. It presented its own unique challenges because suddenly oh, yeah. we couldn't have... Uh, a lot of people don't realize that like the CRSL productions, it's we don't make our observers produce. So we have dedicated producers, we have dedicated QAs, we have dedicated everything. So it's a, it's a full production unit and finding solutions for that uh, remotely was really difficult for us in the beginning, just because we needed to be able to have solutions that we were only used to in person. So finding yeah. those remote solutions was really difficult and it hindered the amount of live broadcasts we could do. But again, we still got everything at least recorded. Uh, so there's a counterbalance there. Um, and there's definitely like a lot that we learned from recording every match. Um, a lot of challenges with how much data we pumped into a, a Google Drive. Um, so there's that. And we wanted to do a lot more with the VODs and speaking on like the stats earlier, we just simply didn't have the manpower to like scrub through all of the VODs and record stats. Um, going into playoffs, I think was probably the most interesting phase because a lot of teams narrow it in on each stage of the playoffs. Um, and I know it's like worded in stages, but as a tournament organizer, I really like to look at our playoff structure as an overall uh, mm -hmm. structure. For us, teams went through a double Elam bracket and then they went through a double another double Elam bracket. And that's a little bit confusing to teams at times, but when you look at it, um, ultimately you're looking at a triple Elam bracket, which when you put it in one piece can be super, super confusing. Um, but it, I think that gave the best experience possible in terms of competitiveness that we could. Scheduling was another problem that was just an absolute nightmare for for the Final Four, especially. And, I mean, what do you want me to say about playoffs? I think it, it was just about as exciting as we could have hoped. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. Like, seeing seeing FIU, so uh, I touched on this. We did we recently did, like, a fireside kind of podcasty talk with the, the head admins and Sam from from the league director team. Mm, yeah. Um, we kind of talked, like touched on our expectations and what actually happened and seeing the storylines was absolutely insane. Uh, so going towards the final four, we were seeing Texas A&M, UTSA, uh, FIU and Akron emerge. Utah fighting for their absolute lives to like stay in that bracket. UAH fighting to stay in that bracket and just seeing that like the individual skill of each team was absolutely insane. Um, UAH has definitely become one of our more active teams in CRSL. They come to 10 mans. They're always talking with us, showing up <laughs> to streams and that kind of stuff. Um, and I, I definitely think that they're developing if they continue to stick together as a team and they don't make any roster changes that you can essentially see the next FIU. Um, oh, absolutely. UAH is, is each incredibly individually talented. And I think once they, they come together on a, a little bit more cohesive and find their tempo, that's going to be a very dangerous team. Utah, I really want to see them get into the top two because they put an astounding performance up against Akron. I can't imagine the pressure of having to face Akron multiple times to try to make it into the <laughs> Final Four. Um, that's a really daunting task. Well, and I mean, that, that was probably like my favorite story that encapsulated the entire season because FIU had won both of the encounters against Akron before the playoffs. And so oh, yeah. Akron, who was the the potential triple crown win or triple crown winner from the fall across CRSL, CR6 and CEA. And now there's this team, this FIU team, competitive in all the other leagues last couple seasons, but they're the ones sticking it to Akron. Oh damn. Yeah. And then suddenly we're in the playoffs since FIU and Akron in the semifinals and it's like, "Oh damn. How's this going to go down?" And then it just Akron, and then again Akron in the grand final. Like yeah. you couldn't have written a better story of going zero and two, and then putting it together when it really counts. That was yeah, awesome. Yeah, I, I think I think I like to say, and this is like a little bit of a tournament organizer meme. Like when when people are in your grand finals chat saying scripted, like you know that you've created <laughs> like a good storyline through the competition. Um, my I think my personally my absolute favorite storyline was Texas A&M and, and UTSA only because it was like a little bit spicier of a one mm. just because there's like two teams like really like butt heads and I'm like I didn't I actually <laughs> observed one of their playoff matches and I, I totally didn't understand like the banter that was happening between the two teams so like 
seeing that play out multiple times was really interesting and seeing texas a&m like reclaim a spot in the top four was really cool for me because going back to cr6 season two that was probably one of the most hype grand finals of all times in my opinion um going the full length of a best of five in a collegiate championship was absolutely insane yeah i was was part of that i was on the team yeah Yeah, exactly that was a long that was a long match we we played from i think we started at it was like six hours it was long yeah no it was a long (laughs) it was it was a full five map best of five and like the last like three matches went full ot too oh yeah syntax yeah it was we should have clutched it you should have stopped that i tried i tried (laughs) but but uh i think we started like 9 p.m we didn't get done till like 2 a.m it was it was ridiculous yeah it was it was a long it was a long that but like seeing texas a&m like reclaim their spot was really Mm -hmm. like a a highlight storyline for me and i know that the admin team we were absolutely losing our minds seeing akron like because like akron in the normal season we're like well wait a minute that might just be a fluke maybe they're like they're off a little bit and then we get into the double elim bracket and suddenly we're we're watching this akron game and fiu sticks it to akron and eliminates them to the lower bracket and it wasn't even like it was the first map granted was close i believe it went to ot or it was essentially one round from ot and the second map fiu absolutely blew akron out of the water it was like a 7-3 victory on villa uh, I distinctly remember that map because we we started looking at FIU's capability on Villa, and we knew that that was going to be like a huge storyline map for them, and that was like huge. We were just like Akron in the lower bracket, like we're here, it's happening. Um, <laughs> is Utah gonna, you know, because Utah has to face them now, so yeah. <laughs> Utah's redemption is against the team who sent them to the lower bracket. So yep. <laughs> there it is, and you know. I part of me wishes that the the Utah guys were able to pull that off, but seeing Akron back on top is is of course like a storyline that you you just love to see it. Um, yep. Those guys are great, and they're such a, a high caliber team. Um, but that storyline, I don't think we could have had it play out any better. Um, yeah, especially I, with so like this was something interesting storyline wise. Uh, in the final four, Consulate was pulled as a decider map in two of the matches. And Consulate had been by far one of the least played maps. So it was really interesting to see mm. the Akron FIU map come down to Consulate and then Akron pull it. And I believe, I don't remember which match it was, but it also came to Consulate. And FIU, I believe, took a dominant victory over that other team on Consulate. So it was like, okay. Consulate okay, is who's, suddenly who's this, the like, real dominant team. Who's how's yeah. this going to shake out? Yeah, that's and I mean going back to the stats that we were talking about, like being able to see that and like make sure that these teams are informed of those uh, results and the, the the preferences or the things to run away from. Like, do you really want to pick the map that everyone's straying away from, even your team? How much? How much have you prepped on that map versus how much are you willing to gamble that the other teams have prepped on that map and how far have they have they gone with their precautions and research on you so like being able to get that data and get that in the hands of any of the analysts that are on these college squads like that's going to make the the drama the storylines and the competition so much better yeah so unfortunately we're taking like a little bit of a of a step back for the the summer league in terms of stats gathering um just because it's it's summer we want to give our admin team a bit of a break um at one point we were operating off of like a a bare bones admin team of two head admins myself and sam um so it was a little bit stressful at times um and throughout the entire season getting stats up was a little bit difficult just because of the logistics of the recordings and then head admins at any given time were needing to scrub through the vods to collect those stats etc and gathering that manpower to be able to collect the advanced stats like we did in final four would be a little a little bit crazy um but i think i can talk a little bit more on the final four because the amount of manpower that we we put into the production for the final four was actually crazy um so at one point we ended up having to change mid broadcast there was like a huge conundrum that happened mid broadcast um so we were actually utilizing two rtmp servers at the same time uh, our observer was actually a remote observer. Ty, bless his heart, he's a great observer. 
Um, so he was streaming his match to an RTMP server that Sam was pulling to Utah, where he was producing and sending that feed out to the three head admins and myself, and then to the also to the casters. Myself was then recording through vMix. It's the software that we use. Um, yeah, like CJ just said in chat, working on the Final Four broadcast was like super rewarding. It was such a complex <laughs> system. Um, but then again, I was pulling the feed from Sam of the Observer, and then I was operating in vMix a like remote uh, replay system. So we were able to do instant replays in the Grand Finals and the Final Four, which was really cool. Um, and I was operating those actually off of an external hard drive because <laughs> I didn't have enough space internally on my computer. <laughs> um, and that posed its own limitations. And essentially, the replay systems were writing too fast for my external hard drive. So the replays were choppy. But I was then streaming those replays to an RTMP server that Sam was pulling and producing it on his own. And he yeah. has an entire like three PC setup, one dedicated to encoding, one to streaming, and one to producing. So it was, it was a whole big system. Um, that was that was going on uh after i got off of replays it eliminated one of the rtmp servers and sam was just doing it locally on his producing pc um but on the stats side of things we actually had all three of our head admins in a call together at one time and they were recording entry frags who killed who who planted the bomb what the bomb site was what the map was who's playing what operators and that was all collected in live time so our our wonderful admin adonu adam was adonu. able to yeah uh our wonderful monty main uh, he was able to create a a google sheet that was really really great and powerful for our admins to be able to just literally live input stats it was it was really nice to see and they put in a great amount of work and then we were live feeding stats to the producer who would put them on the fly-ins and uh, we coordinated the fun facts even like that was just something really cool that we wanted to be able to do to give the teams a little bit more personality but yep. the stats collecting was done all lifetime so we were at most on like a, a three minute delay uh, just because they were getting a clean feed that was undelayed from the observer essentially so they had roughly three minutes to gather stats to show on around um, <laughs> but that was it is what it is and and scrubbing through those VODs proactively during the match is something that we, we definitely want to do because broadcast for us is such a huge focus. Um, while our, our consistent basic broadcasts aren't there yet, um, our one-off like grand finals top four broadcasts are where we pride ourselves in being able to show what we can do as like a, an entire group. Have you guys ever thought mm -hmm. about um, um, getting a, your own dedicated NAS for for all this footage and broadcasting uh it was a thought um so the the problem that was presented with a lot of a lot of what happened is almost all of our observing was done remote uh after the covid situation came to what it is uh initially we were using a peer-to-peer -peer connection uh from someone in utah actually to the producer and that was a little bit lower quality than our RTMP feed is. Peer-to-peer mm -hmm. um, -peer was 720, but we were streaming at 60 FPS, so we thought it was a decent enough compromise. Um, but once we got the RTMP up, we were able to take anyone's remote feed from there. Uh, and that's the also the, like the problem with the group stage is everything was done by remote observers. So that's why sometimes the timeline on getting matches uploaded to the YouTube and stuff was a little bit rough because yeah. these individuals have to like process their, they have to like trim off any like rehosts or anything and then they have to upload it to the drive and we all know how Google Drive can be when uploading massive <laughs> files sometimes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure my USB 2.0 like could process it faster. And then we have to, <laughs> we have to pull it off of the drive, render it into YouTube, go through all of the YouTube studio tagging and titling and all that kind of stuff and then it, it ends up on the youtube channel so it was definitely like a whole process and we we just weren't able to commit the staff to being able to like locally store and then scrub uh stat or vods for for stats yeah um it's definitely something that we're looking into i won't speak on it a whole lot but we are actively developing and looking into solutions to better automate and gather stats for rainbow six 
that's the that's news my, I wanted. That's my <laughs> little thing. So Space Productions is a company. We have a wonderful developer team. They are hard at work at some projects that I won't mention what they are doing or what they're utilizing, but we are looking at, at active stat gathering. That's pretty sweet. So uh, that I mean that that summarizes the season up pretty nicely. Like improvements, some faltering steps along the way, dealing with global pandemics. It's all part of the job apparently now. <laughs> so, but I mean, I mentioned it at the top of the episode. You made the series of really great, very appreciative tweets, and I was hoping you could kind of go into your origin story about how you got here and how you got to be in that spot to be so grateful. Uh, yeah, so if we really want to take the long path on it, um, I come from Xbox. I only very recently, I say recently, but it's been a few years now, um, I swapped to PC relatively late. Um, I was definitely a Halo kid grinding away, like having my dream of being on the MLG stage one day competing with all the Halo pros. As we um, all were. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like a very stereotypical yeah. story. Um, and like I, I was grinding away and grinding away until I realized that the Halo scene was dead. And I was like, well, what am I going to do now? Um, so that's when I discovered PUBG, actually. That was like the first game that I really played when I built my P my first PC. Mm. Uh, my friends that I had in high school and like my first couple of years of university uh, were really into PUBG, like super into it, so into it that they got me into PUBG. And I kid you not, I put 600 hours over like one of our academic breaks, just straight up. Like it was like a high school summer break, and I put in like 600 hours into PUBG. Um, wow! I actually nice. ended up going to Northern Arizona University for my freshman year of college. I was like a as pre med with an emphasis in occupational and physical therapy, and that was a starkly different major than all of my friends were all of my friends were like computer or engineering majors at the university of arizona so i was like hundreds of miles away from all my friends different mm -hmm. major um but we still shared like PUBG as a common ground and i had like that same passion for halo as i did for PUBG. um so i found myself actually in like a pro scrims discord one day and they had an announcement channel for um like external tournaments and partner tournaments and I saw an advertisement for collegiate PUBG actually. And I was like, holy shit, this is like, this is our chance. Um, I got special permission to play in collegiate PUBG underneath the University of Arizona because I had already anticipated on transferring back. And I think that's where it all started. Um, mm. I actually got involved with the staff team at collegiate PUBG. I was a moderator, which was essentially their version of, of a tournament admin, just checking teams in, making sure that they're in lobby moderating the discord all your are your typical like really entry entry level things um but i like i don't like to half-ass things so i put my all into it and it got recognized by the one of the owners of the leagues and once i departed with with collegiate pubg he brought me on to some other projects that he was working on um i'm not sure if you're familiar with the title um what is it isle isle of the nine or something it's it's a very unpopular battle yeah. royale yeah um yeah actually no, I, I know what you're talking about yeah, yeah. Yep. when that first came out we were building a tournament for that uh that was the first project that i worked on after collegiate pubg and we just discovered how like we got we got beta access and everything uh from the developers and we realized how difficult that game is because that <laughs> game was very very difficult like that was probably one of the harder battle royals i've played um so long story short, we ended up moving away from that. And that's when they started stumbling upon Rainbow Six and playing Rainbow Six really heavily. And I wasn't like quite buying into it at first, um, but I bit the bullet. It was the season that Lion came out. I got to play ranked the last season that, uh, or the last week of that season. I placed a proud bronze one or two. <laughs> like I was, <laughs> I was way down there and, um, like all my friends that I had been working on these projects with were there. So that's where collegiate R6 was born. So CR6 was born. Um, I was initially brought on not as leadership. I was brought on as a community staff member and I was going to be responsible for, for helping out with community development and growth. Um, things popped off on season one, I think like we, we hit like 40 something teams pretty like relatively fast. Um, Cause there was like a huge demand, but no supply. 
and that's when we were doing student <laughs> verifications so i was literally sitting for hours on end scrubbing through hundreds and hundreds of individual submissions oh, to no. verify people in the discord uh, making <laughs> sure that they had an edu email and all that kind of stuff and like it was a legitimate person and a legitimate email um and that was my responsibility for, for a good chunk of it uh, gotta start somewhere i think that was I think that's a pretty necessary job. Because... Oh yeah, it, de it definitely is. But it was it was like okay, when when can I like play Rainbow? When can I be with my friends? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, but I was I, I did it in like I scrubbed through all of the player verification in like two days. Um, very sleepless two days. <laughs> but um, at that time, I had also also already transferred back to the University of Arizona, and that's that will get important soon. Uh, mm. Series six season one, I was also still a competitor because I wasn't. Uh, like technically a tournament admin and i wasn't a, a leadership team member they allowed me to play in the league so i led i was like the r6 coordinator at u of a and we donned a team um syntax i don't remember do you remember b groans he played for liberty that sounds familiar but i don't yeah so b groans he he ended up i think he was staff for a while afterwards um but like Jahui, who plays for the Disrupt Women's team, was on the U of A team season one. And like we had this great team. And we, and we ended up like short, long story short, we made top 16. It was great. It was a great experience. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but throughout that, like I was working really, really hard. And it was early, I would, I would say it's like mid season. Um, the owner of the league really like recognized my hard work and he gave me an opportunity to come on as like the official title of the community lead for CR6. Um, so think kind of uh, along the lines of like a head admin slash community manager. Um, so it has a nice and ring from to there, it. Season so season one happened in the fall, so we had a winter break to plan. Like season one was we learned a lot. Obviously, um, yeah. heading into season two, we planned the entirety of season two in like one week of winter break. <laughs> it was jeez, <laughs> yeah. Um, just because of how everything ended and everything like we just had like one week so we played in season two and that's where cr6 like shit really hit the roof because we hit 146 teams season two that was like over double our, our teams and it was i i've no uh, one like unless you were looking at a tournament from tespa you weren't seeing that size that that oh, sheer yeah. scale like you it had to be like a full-on like development house running this thing that's fully funded, fully staffed with full-time workers, bottom to top, boots on the ground to leadership. That's the only time you see a scale, a tournament that scale. But for CR6 to be doing that, that was something new. And that's actually one of the things that caught my attention so quickly about the collegiate Rainbow Six space, like for all the leagues that were out there. Like to see that this one league has so many teams willing to work with the organizers work with each other and understand we're all in the same space of we all have finals we all have midterms we all want to play this game and get good at it get better at it and win this damn thing like that was just a community that was already so far beyond so many other online game communities and competitive as well like that was that was a huge kick in the pants to say yeah this needs to be a podcast this needs to be covered and talked about yeah, it was it was absolutely crazy because like we were floored by the 146 teams. Like we had to expand our brackets, and we like were really ambitious in our scheduling. I God, I don't even remember the format of season two. I think we were still using Swiss, even maybe. Like we were still, I would say, relatively new all to like tournament organization and administration, and like the brunt of it, it was that there was like no, we we weren't like a company. We weren't like fully sponsored we weren't supported by ubisoft in any capacity um so it was like a bunch of people just working on this out of passion um and that's really where i met sam morris was in season two um so he was handling our broadcast and like we we just kind of hit the boots or the ground <laughs> the ground running essentially in season two um we had like an invite league and then an open league and that kind of helped us divide the teams and uh just go for it like that's what it was and season two represented its own challenges and i think 
like from a personal standpoint season two is when i really started to struggle mentally like as a as an individual um because like that was an insane amount of stress i was i would say probably my my most unhealthy uh Mm. physically and mentally in season two just because like and that's something that i don't really shine a lot of light on uh in my personal stories is because season two i was in a very bad place like i just a lot had happened in my personal life completely unrelated to cr6 um and then the unique challenges that being just like a group of passionate individuals working on this massive project like the challenges that that brought and faced on its own and all of us needing to deal with our mental stresses like really brought some unique uh challenges to the league um and season two i i want to say i was averaging two to three hours of sleep a night um i would wake up to anywhere from like 17 to 90 dms uh so cr6 season two we we really just had like a a support channel where people would spam it and we would get to it or they would dm us and that was like from a tournament organizer standpoint it was horrible for like our tournament admins and we we were so top heavy in terms of work as well like all of the leads were the people doing the bulk of the work like i had community people underneath me but they really just helped me engage with the community and help on things that they knew how to handle so like when i wasn't answering the ticket desk they were um and like not a lot of people in the cr6 scene know me nowadays because i'm estranged from that project but like season two season one i was i lived in the support channel like uh i was in class like i i distinctly remember getting yelled at in german so many times because i was in my german lecture trying to like answer support desk um and like that, that's what it was um but that was season two was very mentally rough for me um i wasn't getting a lot of sleep it was so stressful and like the only thing that was keeping me going was the community and the passion i had for that community um i don't think it was necessarily passion for the tournament itself it was literally just the players and their experience um but that's when i met sam morris and season two a lot of the leadership staff decided to leave cr6 uh we just decided that it was best for us uh personally and like on a business level to part ways with the ownership of cr6 and that's what i'll cover on that yeah i remember remember after season two happened and from a player point in season two uh um and now hearing like the actual admin side of it and how like stressful it was like i can totally understand but oh yeah at the at the the time at the from a player's point of view it was it felt like uh everything was being handled pretty poorly and obviously that's not true now it seems like you guys were just overwhelmed and that honestly like i i didn't think about that at the time but that makes total sense you guys were just overwhelmed by all the all the bullshit that the players are probably throwing at you um and i was like it, after season two happened i saw a lot of the staff just leave and i was like well that makes sense because like you know this this tournament or the, this league was kind of going downhill uh throughout the season and then all of a sudden everyone just kind of left i was like okay you know that kind of makes sense but uh now hearing hearing um your side of it actually um shines a lot of light on it to be honest yeah and then that's like something that i really want to apologize for because like i know that season from a player standpoint season two of cr6 looked like a garbage fire like a, a dumpster fire and it absolutely necessarily was from an internal standpoint too we were so overwhelmed and so stressed and a lot of us were so new to dealing with this kind of thing that like we just the only thing there was like at one point and like i won't shine a lot of light on a lot of the other problems that that kept the staff from functioning and like there was a lot essentially that kept us from functioning as a staff team and growing as a league um a lot of personal things too um just between like the owners and the the leaders of the league there was just a lot between that and yeah i remember that we we just needed to like depart ways and that's what it was it was just like we wanted to continue to serve the community and like i'll touch on where sam morris and i go but i'll let syntax talk now oh i was just gonna say <laughs> i remember there was a lot of who i forgot what his name was uh, xpr the owner of cr6 uh, yeah there was kind of there was a lot of like backlash with him for you know numerous reasons but uh you know even i think now that i think about it like you know there was like the prize pool at the end of season two i don't think anyone got any of their prizes 
yeah i don't think, I don't think anyone got anything from that the the money was like a really like a difficult thing because like we in season two we started to open up all these avenues of of like revenue so sam morris bless his heart he's a very talented and connected individual uh managed to get so sam got the the cr6 or the collegiate r6 twitch being partnered uh through the twitch student program i believe um Smart. so we were able to have like that that partner channel and that was generating revenue by itself um and like this is one thing that i will touch on because it's like it's simply a business thing as as a lead of the league i didn't know where that money was going there was no official papers of the league to state like this is what your role in the company is and this is what like i had never seen a, a, a pic like a piece of paper that essentially that says that i work for this company so it yeah. was we didn't know, and Sam, even though he was the one that got the the, the panel or the channel partnered, we didn't know where that money was going. Uh, that was when the Sector Six deal was also struck, was in season two, um, and then there was merch created for CR Six. We didn't know where any of the CR Six cut of money was going, um, because everything funding wise was coming from XPR. Uh, so again, like the lack of communication and like just everything that happened on that side of things we were like yeah and i think that's yeah. the that's the risk you run of the it's it's the risk you take when you're running a league that's not um like an actual business you know like a, a, like an established like llc or something you know where everyone you know how you're an employee where you can see like actual like financial like uh paperwork and stuff like that you know all the money could have been going to xpr and he could have been doing nothing with it, you know. He could have just been pocketing it, and no one would know. And 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 legally, he could have done that, you know, because it's not, uh, yep. it's not a company, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to like, I'm not going to point fingers and say what happened because I, I I just simply don't know what happened. Like from from my standpoint, I don't know what happened, and I'm not going to make speculation on it. But yeah. it, it came down to I made good friends with Sam Morris because we were both like dumping our souls into this project. Mm -hmm. Um. And then that's when we split with Sarah Six, and we needed to decide what we were going to do. I, I got onboarded to Space Productions, um, which in itself, you asked uh, before the podcast has started, what's the relation to Space Station Gaming? Uh, Sam Morris had actually worked with Space Station uh, mm -hmm. as, a, as a graphic designer. Um, the Echo skin that you see in game, he had a little bit of play in that. So that's like oh, a nice. cool fact. Um, so at the time like space has a lot of subset companies uh that they do like all sorts of different stuff with um i think it was just kind of like a spin-off space productions we're not related to space station in any way and that's like something we have to make painfully clear to a lot of people for business reasons is that we're not related to space station they don't own any stake in our company uh we're just our own entity but that's when i was introduced to to space productions was after cr6 season two um that was kind of like an interesting summer for me because i had left cr6 and like i really mentioned like the the mental struggle um and it was a, a struggle to try to find myself out of cr6 uh once it was gone because like mm -hmm. suddenly the thing that i had been dumping all of my time into was gone um i had some like amazing experiences over the summer i got to go to my first dream hack or my second dream hack technically um I went to DreamHack Anaheim as a competitor, technically, but I went to DreamHack Dallas as like just a a visitor, and that was that was amazing. Um, got to like go to DreamHack Dallas, and like uh, it was towards the end of CR6 season two where I was told that I would be getting the president position of the University of Arizona Esports Club, and that brought on a lot of responsibility, and that was like a community that I was passionate about. Um, and like funny enough uh we had been using like a, a jersey vendor who apparently didn't pursue the correct license with the university so like when i got president it was like a week after we got an email that was like hey if you don't clean this up like we've dmca'd that company and if you did, like continue to do business with unlicensed people we're gonna sue you next and it was like oh okay oh. this is a great way to start this <laughs> off <laughs> <laughs> well i mean you cut um, your teeth on something difficult right up front everything else is going to seem easy <laughs> okay yeah, and, and absolute shout out to my u of a community because like i love those guys to death um they don't see me around in the discord a lot but that's because i'm 
just trying my best to work things behind the scenes for them and you know that's something that i'm still doing today like today uh 10 a.m like after a job interview i was in a meeting with people from university of arizona trying to hash out some some future plans about esports uh on the campus in the future um well you and i are going to have to but, talk about u of a esports because that's for the other podcast that i run so <laughs> collegiate esports is running strong here so you and i were going to have another podcast to do at some point but Sounds good I, to we're, me. We're, co- we're coming up to the end of our time uh, oddly enough like that's 50 minutes of talking like it flies by <laughs> yeah. every time uh i want to make sure that we get to touch on what's coming up for crsl in the fall i know you got and even the summer i know the summer is a little bit more chill but the fall is where the rubber hits the road and there's obviously some development and stats stuff being worked on that you can't talk about but what else uh, what else is the goal for the fall and the summer so i won't talk much on it and i know that this always (laughs) like really really ticks people off sometimes it's all good Uh, i I get it talk I will not talk a lot about our plans for the fall. Um, There's been some really interesting developments across the entire scene. Um, I know. Would you happen to be talking about a survey that might have been going out to certain players? Yes. So there, there has been a survey that's been sent out um, that has been in collaboration with the other leagues, and that's all I can say on that. Um, So all of the leagues sent out a a survey that gave birth to a couple of uh, of like focus groups so that's all i can say on that of course um fall stay tuned we're gonna get through summer and we'll make an announcement at the end of summer um for summer league our rule sets finally completely finished um we we made a lot of adaptions because we tend to use summer league as as a testing ground for new things uh so like i mentioned in our fireside talk we're going to be following the competitive rule uh book a little bit more for our summer league uh we made we like stood really steady during the normal season for a lot of our rulings uh yana and oryx are even going to be included in the summer the summer league bank is out border is out theme park and oregon are going back into the map pool for collegiate um so summer league is going to be really cool it's going to be swiss format um those signups are going to be ending here really soon on the 31st is when we're going to cut it off um and then on june 1st it's going to be the first official play day that teams have for their matches. So stay tuned for the summer league. We're going to, we're going to try our best to make that a best experience. We're going to test out some broadcast stuff, test out and tease some of the things that we've been working at for stats, hopefully. Um, but that's what the future holds. It's, it's a lot of very mysteriously shrouded things, but <laughs> we've got to keep it that way for a little oh. while absolutely i mean things are moving like i we syntax and i talked a little bit about what that survey could potentially mean uh as it's ubisoft reaching out to the collegiate scene and it can go either my conspiracy theory way and be way bigger than it probably is going to be and just being like okay yes this is this is the monstrosity that we're creating and it's just all out of my brain or you can be more realistic like syntax and just being like eh it could be a thing <laughs> well i i can't confirm or deny anything nope. um i've i've signed some papers that say i can't talk about it great um, i love it when papers like that are involved that's okay well if 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 uh good old swindle over here is nda then you might have some some validation to your tinfoil hat there joe <laughs> uh well <laughs> there we go I, I can't i can't exactly say what it is but there's there's definitely a piece to each argument there you go uh so we're, let's just wrap it up let's let you have the the floor to do any shout outs that you want to or need to do or any other any anything else that we didn't touch on with crsl that you feel like anyone else might need to hear whether it's people in chat or if it's going to be a podcast listener on monday when this episode will go out that you would like to share with everyone please it's all yours yeah definitely like i I said a huge shout out to myspace productions guys we talked about that twitter thread and and the people that i tagged there uh this possibly could not be possible without all of the people at space productions every single observer we had our wonderful head producer elijah all of our head admins everyone that's ever had a play in this from the beginning of cr6 season one like a massive thank you because this has been me chasing my dreams 
for quite a while now and you know we're finally getting to a, a stage where i can really like tote this product and be proud of it um and everything that we've achieved so keep an eye on on crsl we're we're going to be here and we're going to continue to innovate a lot of things and try to be that that forerunner for a competitive experience in the collegiate community um summer's going to be exciting and i hope that i can unveil some really cool things in the fall if people wanted to follow along with CR or CRSL or follow you other than the at Swinster I have up on the screen at the moment, uh, where else can people be following this community? Uh, well, personally, like I said, my, my Twitter ads at the Swinster, I'm constantly tweeting stuff about CRSL, um, space productions. We don't really have a, a form of, of communication on social media, uh, for, for Twitter yet. But stay tuned. We're undergoing a little bit of a rebranding for for some of our stuff. So stay tuned for potential competitive teams, stream teams, etc. From the, the the space production staff, just so you guys can get a little bit of a a more back end into what it's like in a lot of our daily lives and you know projects that we're working on and personal developments. Um, but really, just make sure that you're following College Rainbow Six on Twitter. Um, if you guys want to go ahead and follow me on Twitter. If you have any questions or anything after this, like I'm, I'll always respond to DMs. Uh, a lot of you know where to find me on Discord as well. If you can find yourself into the CRSL Discord or wanna send me a friends request on Discord, that's just swindle number 0001. Uh, it's super easy. Um, I'm always here to answer questions and I love talking about my experiences and sharing that knowledge. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming out and talking with us. It's great to get more of that behind the curtains. It, the wizard of Oz kind of how the magic is happening and especially because this is one of the three biggest leagues in the collegiate space for rainbow six and it's great to get to know the people who are running these and the history behind them knowing that there's so many interconnected people for all three of the leagues uh it's exciting to get to know them and get to know the space better so thanks again for coming on and chatting and sharing your story and all of your stories really and just what we can look forward to in the summer and the fall. Thanks again. Really appreciate it. Uh, everyone in chat, it's been a pleasure. I've loved actually having people in chat, so definitely a great experience. Everyone, thank you for following. Uh, this has been a great episode. Thank you, Swindle, Liam, for bringing everybody in and helping out the channel, helping out the podcast. And with that, I think that this is going to be the last... Oh, is there... Sorry, I just followed out. <laughs> uh, I may not have turned down the volume as much as I thought I had. My bad. But um, what was I saying? Wow. Now I know what chat was saying when they the, uh, said. Last, you said it's going to be the last. Uh... Oh, that's right. This is probably going to be the last collegiate report until the fall as I'm going to do my own development work over the summer to get us a mega spreadsheet going so that I have all the data in front of me and syntax so that we can start talking more the narratives as the competitive seasons go uh, on in the fall. So I've got my work cut out for me over the summer. So we'll be talking pro league or whatever it's now branded as uh, for North America. So you can still look forward to those casts uh, as that becomes available once we actually kick off that league. Uh, until then, we'll be on a brief hiatus. You can always catch me streaming on pretty much Mixer, Twitch, YouTube, at Warlock Recall. And I'm also always on Twitter uh, more so than anything else. So that's that's me, Syntax. You can do your sign-off. Oh, I'm good. You can follow me okay. at SyntaxGG on Twitter. <laughs> I, I don't really stream that much these days, so you don't need to follow me on Twitch, but... Fair enough. Well, thanks everyone for joining. Hopefully you get some good luck in your ranked matches or your public matches and not have to deal with so many cheaters in the near future. Thanks again, everyone, and we will see you all later.